one of the driving catalysts behind this movement is that people are very interested in knowing where their food comes from. Know where your food comes from, know your farmer. They'll raise it good because they don't want to harm you. Know where your food comes from. Welcome to Extension Out Loud, Episode 3. This is Paul Treadwell. And I'm Katie Bailden. In this episode, we talk to Cheryl Thayer, local food distribution and marketing specialist with the Cornell Cooperative Extension Harvest New York team. Cheryl is actively working to support and grow local food systems here in New York. This episode, while it does discuss the Farm Bill, explores the idea of local food systems more broadly. We talk about some of the programs active here in New York that support different aspects of local food systems, like Double Up Food Bucks, Field and Fork Network, and Food Hubs. The really cool thing about this conversation is I think it emphasizes the fact that some of these topics, although they're involved in the Farm Bill, are actually much broader, and it also expands out the implications of the Farm Bill. So things like uh, food systems, how do those impact things, and then what, what are we doing to support those? And that's where the Farm Bill sort of enters in. So I really enjoyed this conversation. It's our longest episode so far. And pinning down what local and regional means was something that we explored a little bit in this episode, and that's an interesting conversation. Another thing that stood out to me was what's meant by specialty crops in the Farm Bill. Can we talk a little bit about what that means? And um, Yeah, both those conversations (laughs) drove me a little batty because I want want clear definitions and I want specialty to mean something it doesn't quite mean. So... (laughs) So that's, it's, it's a great episode. It's, it's a little long, but it's well worth a listen. Be sure to look for links to additional resources in the podcast description. And also check out Episode 3 bonus podcast coming next week. This first ever bonus episode includes Cheryl Thayer, who we just talked about, in conversation with Dave Walzak of the Western New York Food Hub, and Bridget O'Brien Wood, Director of Child Nutrition Services for the Buffalo, New York School District. Be sure to catch this episode when it drops next week. So I'd like to start with food systems. So can you help unpack that for us? A widely accepted definition of a food system is really the path that food travels from the field that it was produced in to its final resting place. So whether that's in a consumer's belly, in a compost pile, or in a landfill. It includes such activities as the growing, harvesting, processing, packaging, transporting, marketing, consuming, and disposing of food. So I think what really defines a locally based food system is one that encompasses some or all of those activities, but it does so in such a way that it enhances the environmental, economic, social, and nutritional health of a particular place. So this concept of developing a local food system is really a collaborative, intentional process between consumers, governments, community organizations, and public and private entities. So, Cheryl, when we hear about things like the whole farm-to-fork thing or farm-to-table, is that sort of an attempt to encapsulate what it means? So it is in terms of a local food system. I mean, we have globalized food systems. We have what some people will call corporate food systems. And then we have this idea of a local food system. And the local food system, again, is really taking into consideration those environmental, economic, nutritional, and social aspects of a particular place, but it's also developing programs and policies that do connect the consumer 
with their farmers. So that field to fork concept definitely comes into place, but it tends to be uh, more broad than that as well. Can you give us an example of a local food system? Well, an example of a local food system is a bit harder. I mean, a food system is a living, breathing, uh, evolving type of structure. I can give a lots of examples of programs that strengthen local food systems, that aid in developing local food systems, and many of those are made possible under certain titles of the Farm Bill. Do you want some programs? Would that help? Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just trying to wrap my head around these things as we go along. But yeah, programs, what impact the Farm Bill might have on those programs? Sure. So I guess I'll start with the programs that have an impact on them authorized under the Farm Bill. And there's a handful of those. We talked about Title 10 of the Farm Bill, which is the horticulture title as it stands. There's other titles as well, such as the nutritional title, the rural development title, and all of those fund certain programs that help strengthen regional and local food systems. And I guess one great example of a program that's really been instrumental in developing local and regional food systems is the Farmer's Market Local Food Promotion Program. And that's a new addition in the 2014 Farm Bill. And basically what that does is it has three primary goals. It supports the development and expansion of local and regional food business enterprises, it increases the domestic consumption of and access to locally and regionally produced ag products, and it helps develop new market opportunities for farms serving local markets. So this program in particular has been really critical to local and regional food systems development. Likely important to discuss in greater detail if you want to talk about program impact because it has funded a series of projects and programs in New York State that have really helped strengthen that local and regional food system. Um, there are others as well if you want to talk about those. And I'm going to pause for a moment because my dogs are getting crazy. I'm going to look. <laughs> okay. Okay, so I'm back. I can't promise they won't bark. They're the only dogs in the world that don't like being outside. That's okay. <laughs> so I, I, Katie had a point here. Yeah, you mentioned impacts of New York State programming. I think that it would be good to dive into that a little bit. And if you have any specific examples, whether that's like a particular commodity or a particular farm or or anything like that. We'd love to talk about that. Sure, so there's a few programs that are authorized under the Farm Bill that have helped strengthen local and regional food systems. So as I mentioned, that Farmer's Market Local Food Promotion Program grant has been really instrumental. And since 2014, it has awarded 40 grants in New York State, and it is equated to over a $3.6 million investment in local and regional food systems. And these projects have to offer some type of benefit to the local food and farming system. It's stated in the grant objectives. And they often, but not always, serve to support increased healthy food access to vulnerable populations. So some examples of projects that have been funded through this particular program in New York State include farmers market expansion, craft beverage development, farm to institution work, food hub development, and commercial kitchen development. So all of these activities are really important activities that help enhance and strengthen the local and regional food system uh, in New York State and beyond. 
And I think another program that is important to highlight, again, new to the 2014 Farm Bill, is the Food Insecurity Nutrition Incentive Program. So this program seeks to support projects that increase the purchase of fruits and vegetables among low-income consumers that are participating in the SNAP program. So that's the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, formerly known as Food Stamps. And they do this by providing incentives at the point of purchase. So often, but not always, these programs are tied to the purchase of locally produced fruits and vegetables. So a great example of this program in action is the Double Up Food Bucks program in Western New York, which is partially funded by FENI, that's the Food Insecurity Nutrition Incentive Grant Program in, in short terms. It's also funded by a number of different philanthropic organizations across New York State. But what this program does is provide a dollar-for-dollar dollar SNAP match up to $20 per market day. So basically what that means is when a SNAP customer comes up to the farmer's market tent and charges $20 worth of product to their EBT card, that's their SNAP card basically, they receive an additional free $20 and double up food box dollars. So note, this doesn't have to be in $20 increments. It can just go up to 20, but it can really be in any denomination up to that amount. The caveat to this is that match, those double up food box dollars, can only be used to purchase New York State grown fruits and vegetables. So as you can imagine, not only has this had a tremendous impact on increasing food access to those that really need it, but it also directly supports New York State farmers. So a real win-win in local food systems development. Are there any statistics that talk about an increase in purchase of local foods through this program? Well, there's a lot of documentation of it. Uh, so I know through our program, the Western New York program, which we were partners in alongside a nonprofit who's leading the effort called Field and Fork Network. So up until 2016, I believe, we had reinvested almost a half a million dollars into the local food and farming economy. So that's a combination of SNAP dollars at farmer's markets and double up food box dollars. And that's just one program. There's other programs around New York State that do similar type of SNAP matches, basically incentivizing the purchase of healthy fruits and vegetables. But our program in particular, I should say, have reinvested up to a half a million dollars up to 2016. And that program has continued to expand and since 2016 to include more food access points. So not just in farmer's markets, but looking to go into grocery stores and mobile markets, understanding that small percentage of our food is actually purchased at farmer's markets. So how can we expand that reach and that impact? And we can do that by increasing food access points. So that's just one example of this program uh, in operation. And we've seen tremendous success so far in Western New York through this effort. Cool. The Double Up Food Bucks, they're used largely at farmer's markets? So when we first started the program, it was used exclusively in farmer's market. And uh, to be fair, this is not a program that we invented. This was a very successful model that was created by Fair Food Network out of Michigan. And we brought that model to New York State. And so we originally launched it in a handful of farmers markets in Western New York, and the program has since expanded to include quote unquote more food access points. So those are grocery stores, those are our mobile markets and beyond. So what originally started in farmers market has since expanded to new uh, and diversified markets. Year round farmers markets has been another expansion. When we originally started, we were only operating within 16 week farmers market season. Uh, 
uh, understanding, again, that leaves consumers in need outside of that traditional farmer's market season. So it was a reason to expand to year-round markets as well. So this program really sort of crosses boundaries and isn't just benefiting local food systems, but it, it may have impacts in the regional and global food system. It certainly does. And I think a lot of the programs, at least a lot of the programs that I've been involved in in local food systems development, tend to have multiple benefits. So yes, we want to strengthen the agricultural economy by supporting our local farmers, but many of the programs that operate in local and regional food systems development also focus on issues such as food access. So how do we increase access of fruits and vegetables or other farm items to populations that struggle to access it all on their own? That may be because of proximity, that may be because of financial constraints, but how do we increase that food access? So Many of the programs that we see do have uh, multiple benefits to the local food and farming economy outside of just supporting local farmers. And what are mobile markets? So instead of having a farmer's market in a specific location, it's basically a smaller farmer's market on wheels that meets folks where they're at, right? So it'll, it can go to a number of different places. It goes to parks, it can go to low-income housing uh, authorities, it can go to a handful of different places. But basically the idea is that it's a, mar it's a farmer's market on wheels. And those are popular in, in the state? They're popular across the country. I, I think most of them tend to work um, in the food access realm, again, so trying to bring healthy products to folks that need it and really needing them where they're at, understanding that it can be really hard to get to a farmer's market if you don't own a vehicle or if there isn't a bus route that can take you there. So the idea is that it's bringing the product to folks where they're at. Food banks traditionally operate these. Other types of nonprofits that are dedicated to food access and increasing food access tend to operate them. And those are the ones that we have here in Western New York and actually across New York State. It really sounds like a lot of the work on local food systems is an attempt to relocalize consumption and production, which is kind of a throwback to the way our systems worked maybe 50 years ago. Oh, it definitely is. I mean, one of my main focus areas is connecting local food to local markets. And so we've talked a little bit about that food access piece and supporting local farmers, but it also, a lot of work has to exist within the supply chain. So how do we actually get the product from the farm to the end market? And the end market can be a consumer, so it can be a farmer's market, which is considered a direct-to-consumer market, but it can also be a wholesale market, whether that's a grocery store, whether that's an institution like a college or a university or a K-12 through school or a hospital. And those supply chains are a lot more complicated to just plug right into. So some of the work that we do is really trying to connect those two markets, the farmer and the end market, and really trying to create some efficiencies in that supply chain that make it work from a financial and an efficiency standpoint. So you mentioned earlier some additions that were new to the 2014 Farm Bill. I wonder if you can talk just in general a little bit about how the Farm Bill overall has impacted food systems and how it's changed over different iterations and then perhaps how it may change with the new version. I think the 2014 Farm Bill was really exciting in the sense that it called out regional and local food systems specifically. So through that farmer's market local food promotion program grant, that's been really critical. 
There's a number of other programs that are authorized under the Farm Bill that also help support regional uh, food and farming systems. Some of those, I mentioned the Food and Security Nutrition Incentive Program, but other ones would certainly include rural business development grants, community food project grants, the value-added producer grant. And what's a little bit unique about the value-added producer grant is that funds actual producers, and that gives them working capital to basically scale up, to diversify, to meet new market opportunities. And a lot of that has benefited the local and regional food system. Um, the other program that has been in the Farm Bill for a couple iterations now is the Specialty Crop Block Grant. And... What's interesting about that is it supports farming operations in the specialty crop and certified organic sectors, and it's been really instrumental in growing these production sectors since it was first authorized under the Farm Bill. But in addition to that, New York State has directed a portion of those funds to support farm-to-school efforts, and we're going into our fourth year, and these funds have supported over 24 school districts in New York State with a direct investment in excess of $1.7 million. And farm-to-school programs are really important to local and regional food systems development. They support local farmers. They aim to increase the consumption of fresh fruits and vegetables by school-aged children. And they also support some other program activities, such as training and equipment purchases and education. The Specialty Crop Block Grant Program has been a really interesting program in developing local and regional food systems, not just in supporting research and education regarding specialty crops, but also in supporting continued market development of specialty crop purchases. And I think probably important to mention as I continue to throw out the word specialty crops is what exactly a specialty crop is. That was my, that was my next question. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there's a very specific definition of specialty crops. That includes fruits, vegetables, tree nuts, dried fruits, horticulture, nursery crops, herbs, and spices. So, I mean, fruits is in there, but gosh darn, apples don't seem very special to me. <laughs> well, they are very special in New York State. They're one of our primary crops. <laughs> so, so specialty doesn't necessarily mean exotic or... no. I'm still looking for clarity around the scope and scale of local versus regional. Now, you know, we live in a globalized world, so local can, can be a very sort of amorphous definition. I mean, local could include in, in one definition things from the United States. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about local food systems, I assume we're talking about a much more uh, geographically constrained area. Yes, we are talking about a more geographically constrained area. Interestingly, though, the scope and scale of local and regional food systems can and arguably should vary. So there's no official definition of local or regional food. And I think it's important to point that out as efforts to strengthen local food systems and regional food systems tend to be very community driven. So for that reason, it's important for these communities to be able to define what local and regional means to them. So to some people, that's a geographic radius, perhaps within 100 miles. To others, it can be the entire state. So often in the work that I do, we talk about New York State 
as being our regional food system. Um, in other instances, it can be a tiered approach between the two. So there is a lot of variance in that, but I think what's really important to point out is there's flexibility in defining what that means, and that's often defined by the people that are working in that particular food system. It's what matters to them, it's where their values lie. See, I, I want hard and fast rules. I want boundaries. But see, it's kind of nice working in local food systems to not have that boundary because it really does depend on what your goals are. So in New York State, if we're trying to strengthen the New York State food economy and keep our food dollars in New York State, a geographic approach may not support that because at least where I am, Ohio is right across the border and so is Pennsylvania. And that's not to say it's not important to support their food and farming economies, but if we're trying to support and strengthen the New York state economy, not being tied to a geographic radius can really benefit us because we are trying to support our partners in other regions of New York state. I was making Katie shake her head and I'm not sure why. <laughs> oh, you're, you're talking about boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. No, I mean, because when I think about things, I'm old enough where I tend to jump back to watersheds mm -hmm. as sort of regional boundaries. Um, and to me, there's, there's clear reason to have a watershed be a boundary because it, it does make sort of intuitive sense. Yep. So it seems just to return to the specialty crop definition, is it kind of based on scale? Like I'm trying to understand why grains would be excluded. It's not based on scale. It's just based on product. And I think I, you know, I didn't, I didn't make the list, but I yeah, think. Holding no, <laughs> you personally responsible. Yes. For um, um, but it's I think in part to help some of these crops that are grown on smaller farms be competitive with some of the other grains and stuff like that that are funded through different types of programs authorized under the Farm Bill, whether it's through crop insurance and a handful of other programs. And the specialty crop grant programs and the, the money that's authorized under the horticulture title really helps farmers who farm specialty crops become more competitive in those particular fields. For a few years ago, I was really all about hipsters and the resurgence of crafts. There's something about that generational movement to sort of relocalize and bring production back to a scale that you can actually understand that can be incredibly powerful and I think has filtered into some of this work. Absolutely. I think one of the driving catalysts behind this movement, if not the single most important catalyst, is that people are very interested in knowing where their food comes from. And... What I've seen in the last few years, at least, is you could always go to a farmer's market and find locally grown fruits and vegetables. That was kind of a staple. That was to be expected. But now if you go to a farmer's market, you see an entire plethora of new and different types of items. So you have fruits and vegetables, but you've also got livestock. You've got jams. You've got jellies. You've got fermented goods. You've got craft beverages, eggs. And the list goes on and on and on. So people are really thinking outside of that traditional idea of what local food can be and what should be. And so I think for that reason, it's been a really exciting time to work in local food systems because innovation is really shining right now in that respect. And so some of these provisions of the Farm Bill that you've mentioned really support that innovation, don't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we talked, uh, I, I think I mentioned previously, projects that are funded under these programs that are authorized in the Farm Bill are directly related to that. So they are creating commercial kitchens where people can come and test new products using local goods and trying to get them to local markets. They're funding the expansion and diversification of farmer's markets. They fund food hub efforts. And food hubs, really what they strive to do is 
aggregate product from small farms to serve larger markets, right? So that's really important. And that supply chain facilitation and being able to connect the farmer with the end market efficiently. Because again, you're in local food systems, we're going up against globalized or very corporate food systems that are well-oiled, that operate on very tight margins, and they do it very effectively. So when you're bringing it back down to the local level, you really need to think through that supply chain and understand how you can connect those pieces efficiently and sustainably, and to some degree, you know, profitably. Profit is, is, is still important in this game as well, and that's not always as easy to do. We're working on a smaller scale. We don't have economies of scale on our side. Well, are there other things that you think people in New York State should know that you wanted to share? I think what's really important to mention about the Farm Bill is that it's this really big piece of legislation, and it's often hard to understand. Okay, that's my dog. Hold on. I'm going to let them in. (laughs) So what I was saying about the Farm Bill is it's this really big piece of legislation, and I think there's a lot of confusion or lack of understanding just how much it impacts everybody. So I think one of the messages that would just be important to get across is to become involved and understand what the Farm Bill is and many different ways that it affects everything that we do as it relates to food and farming and nutrition. This episode of Extension Out Loud was produced and edited by Paul Treadwell with help and advice from Katie Belden and R.J. Anderson. Special thanks this week to the local Farmers Union for allowing us to use their song, Know Your Farmer, recorded live August 19th at Porchfest in Cortland, New York. Any opinions or values expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the position of Cornell Cooperative Extension. Meat and dairy